Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. I'm recording this episode on Wednesday, May 29th of 2019, and we have a lot of really interesting stuff to talk about this week. We'll talk about a potential algorithm update seems to be happening, uh, maybe now. Some of it may have started just a few days ago, um, and uh, we'll go over all of the controversy over favicons. We'll cover the most recent Google bugs and whether they've been resolved. I think most of them are resolved by now, and uh, a bunch of really cool SEO tips. Um, and so let's uh, get on with the content here. I wanted to say thank you to Brian Gorman from GoFish Digital. Some of you may have noticed that the intro to the podcast was a little bit different this week. And Brian reached out to us and said, hey, I'm a musician and I'd love to create a, an intro for you. So we think it's pretty cool. And thank you, Brian, for doing this for us. Um, and I want to thank all of you who have reached out to me just to uh, say how much the podcast helps you. It blows my mind that some of you are listening to this in your houses, in your cars, at the gym, um, and that we're able to help you stay up to date with SEO, um, and that you are just as geeky as me in finding this stuff interesting. So thank you for being a listener. Um, so let's get right on to algorithm updates. There seems to be something that happened between May 20th to May 24th this year. This is a really tough time to assess algorithm updates, though, because um, most of you know that in the States, there's a, a big holiday, Memorial Day, uh, that just happened. And so when we first started doing our checks to look at which of our clients are seeing increases and decreases, a lot of stuff didn't make sense. We were seeing big increases in sites where we had said to them, look, I don't think we're going to see a massive increase. Um, and it turns out that when we had our team discussion, we realized that all of these sites had a very large sale uh, that was a Memorial Day sale. And um, their traffic increased probably as a result of this. Uh, and then we had a number of clients that saw very slight decreases. And I think we can attribute it to Memorial Day as well. Um, these are clients for the most part that their office is closed over a long weekend. And uh, so the drops that we're seeing probably won't be sustained. With that said, it looks like there, there does seem to be some of the sites that saw increases or decreases. I think we can connect that to link quality. Um, I honestly spent probably about three hours looking at the sites that saw increases and decreases and trying to figure out, usually I can say, oh yeah, all the sites that had increases were ones with this particular type of link that we disavowed or um, not one type of link, but a link profile that was full of a certain type of uh, spam basically. Or we can say, oh yeah, a bunch of clients that had been working on this particular EAT aspect, we're seeing increases. And um, there really wasn't much that we could tie together with this update. So I do think it was an update. I do think something happened. Uh, I will report back. I mean, if it's obvious that um, this is the start of a trajectory, a different trajectory in uh, traffic for some of our clients, then we'll report back on that. Um, so the other date to talk about is today. Uh, Barry Schwartz had an article, as seems to happen with every newsletter episode that I uh, record the podcast for. As soon as I'm about to record, we hear, oh, there's an algorithm update happening. Um, and so Barry reported that there's a lot of chatter in the SEO forums about a possible algorithm update that seems to be happening right now. Um, you know, this, I feel like we've gotten back into the days where every week we'd say, oh yeah, there was some kind of an update, but we don't really know what it's about. It's probably quality. Um, you know, I think 
stay tuned. I, I, I really think, who knows, maybe this is what's happening today, but historically, you know, at least every few months we have some type of a shakeup. So our last big algorithm update was March 12th of 2019. And I do think another one's coming soon. Uh, and it's possible that maybe this uh, May 20th to 24th was something significant. Um, and I realize I've just babbled on a whole bunch and not really added a whole lot of value here. Uh, so keep listening, though. If you're a new listener, there's going to be lots of good stuff coming uh, beyond this point. Um, just one little more piece of housekeeping. For those of you who attended our EAT webinar, we are doing part two this week. Uh, some of you listening to this, it may have already passed, but this is going to be on Thursday, May 30th. And I'm going to be talking and answering all of your questions on author EAT. To the best of my ability, we'll talk about what has worked for clients of ours in the past. Uh, we'll talk about what the quality readers guidelines say in terms of assessing the EAT of authors. And then, and give some tips on how we can ch make changes both on our website and off of our website on improving the EAT of our authors. I'm really excited about this. This is, like I said, it's happening tomorrow. Well, tomorrow as I'm recording this, but uh, May 30th, it's at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. There's instructions in the newsletter, which you can reach at mariehaines.com slash newsletter on how to um, join us in the webinar. Uh, and also it's on our YouTube channel. So, We'll be sending out an email to all of our newsletter subscribers tomorrow morning just to give you instructions on how to join. And if you have not, uh, if you're not able to join us, then we will have a recording of this, assuming all the technology works the way it's supposed to. So I'm really excited to do that and to answer your questions. There's so much about EAT. Honestly, we talk about it so, so much. And uh, we try not to get so focused where that's the only thing that we focus on. Um, but it's big. And we really, really have seen a lot of sites that have made very, very nice improvements by working on becoming more authoritative. I mean, you can't improve how much expertise you have. Uh, well, you could. You can't say, you know, if you've been in business for 10 years and your competitor's been in business for 50 years, that's not going to change, right? But you can ex you can change your authoritativeness and definitely the trustworthiness. Uh, and so we are really, really happy at uh, what we're seeing happen with a bunch of our clients and even people who aren't our clients, people who have listened to webinars or teachings of mine in the past um, and have implemented stuff and seen improvements. So again, thank you for everyone who sends us emails on things. Uh, things that you appreciate from us. We, we appreciate that. Thanks. Now on to the latest Google news. So Google put out an announcement this week saying that mobile first indexing will be enabled by default for all new previously unknown to gurgle Google, Google search websites um, starting July 1st of 2019. So this is important. If you have a brand new website that has not been indexed before, Google will crawl it with Googlebot for mobile. And what that means is if you have content that's only on the desktop version of your site, then Googlebot is not going to see this. And so we have to make absolutely sure that everything that's important for search is on the mobile version of our sites. And this is not just content. It also means things like schema and hreflang and um, any sort of markup or anything that you really, really want Google to see. You need to make sure that that's on the mobile version of your website. I think most people recognize now that we really shouldn't be having separate mobile versions as desktop versions. Um, some of the big brands do it. I mean, I'm pretty sure Amazon still uses an M.site for their mobile site. Uh, and for Amazon to switch to a response 
comprehensive design would probably be a massive undertaking. Um, I'm sure it'll happen. I think it'll happen at some point in the future. The point is, uh, if you have an MDOT site, it's it's okay, you know, provided if it's ranking well, I wouldn't change anything. Um, but in the future, moving forward, we uh, really, really recommend that you focus on um, having your most important stuff visible and findable by Google on your mobile version of your site. Let's talk a little bit about favicons. Um, for those of you who do not know what a favicon is, it's the little um, tiny collection of pixels that appears uh, basically in a browser. So when I open up my tab in Chrome and I can see, okay, right now I've got Google Docs open and there's the little um, logo for Google Docs that's a blue square with white lines on it. Um, I think most of you know what a favicon is, but I'm sure there's the odd person who does not. So Google announced, uh, this came from the Google Search Liaison account on Twitter run by Danny Sullivan. He said, our search results on mobile have gained a new look that presents site names and icons prominently, as well as bolded ad label for ads. The new design rolls out over the coming days. So what we're seeing is that the search results now for many, many search uh, queries will show the favicon in search. And while that seems nice, it's nice to have our brand's favicon next to our search results. Uh, there are all sorts of issues that can go with this. So most of the speculation is saying that Google launched this favicon thing because they want to hide whether or not um, a result is an ad. I think every few years, users generally just get more and more blinded to ads. Um, we all know when we're looking for an organic result, we kind of skip over the AdWords results. And so some people are speculating that Google is trying to uh, confuse people and, and make it so that you're less likely to notice something is an ad and less likely to, uh, more likely to click on it. I don't know if that's what it is. I think personally that they like the way that favicons look. And they're really, I mean, Google is asking us to spend more time on image search. They're asking us to spend more time optimizing for mobile. And uh, they're recognizing that, you know, more and more users are using Google on their phones and favicons look nice. However, I'm suspicious that this will just get abused to death. Um, and in a few weeks or months, probably Google's going to say, you know what, that didn't work and then take that out of the search results. It's kind of like authorship all over again that will spend some time implementing something and then Google will take it away. Um, some of the concerns over this are, you know, it could be abused. I've seen people on Twitter talking about like uh, one particular brand just grabbed another brand's favicon and, uh, and now that's appearing in the search results and it can look like, you know, I could pretend to be Moz or SEMrush or something, you know, and, it, and I could maybe get more clicks if people are like, oh, this is a Moz result. Um, I don't know, something like that. Uh, and then other people are concerned about um, abuse. Uh, there was a good article on Search Engine Roundtable that showed that Google is trying to rectify things uh, like offensive favicons. Um, so one of the examples that Barry Schwartz gave on Search Engine Roundtable was a swastika as a favicon, um, you know, and that's uh, something that Google probably doesn't want to litter their search results with uh, things that could potentially offend great groups of people or even just individuals. Um, I don't know how they're going to monitor this. Barry has asked John Mueller and also Danny Sullivan whether they'll give out manual actions for favicons, uh, whether they'll manually be reviewing sites or whether this is all algorithmically determined. Um, Bill Hartzer did a cool test where <laughs> he changed 
changed his favicon to say ad to look like it was an ad. Uh, I don't know in reality if anybody would ever want to do that. Uh, but he made it look like he basically used the same favicon that Google is using to display ads and made it look like his site was an ad. Um, so Google very quickly took his favicon away. Um, and so the article that Barry wrote showed uh, Bill's site and also the site that was using the swastika uh, showing that now their favicons are just globes. It's like the default favicon that Google's going to show for sites that don't have one. Um, and the question is whether those were manually changed or whether Google has an algorithm to determine. And I don't know how they do that. Um, so I think this is just going to be a complete mess up. And uh, in a few weeks, we'll see enough people manipulating Google that Google says, look, we, we can't do this anymore. Um, but by then, we'll have all implemented very nice favicons and the web will look so much nicer, right? Um, let's move on. Uh, oh, I wanted to add, Joe Hall had a really good tip. For those of us who are trying to change our favicons to get them to appear in search, whether you're doing tests or whether you just want a better favicon, um, if you're using a CDN, a content delivery network, to uh, show your content, then make sure that, uh, remember that the cache has to clear on the CDN before this uh, appears for Google's crawlers. So it can take some time. It might not be something that's instantly indexed. So if you change your favicon, on, and then you can't get it to appear in the search results, it might not be that you're doing anything wrong. It might just be that it takes some time. I don't know exactly how much time, but I would think give it a few days. Um, and most likely that uh, should be all that you need. We talked last week about this big, there were several indexing bugs with Google News. According to Google, those have been fixed now. Um, I have not heard a lot of people complaining about this. So the bug that was happening was that uh, new posts that um, were created for Google News were not getting indexed freshly. Um, and so it was taking hours for new content to get into Google News, which doesn't make sense for a news site. Uh, but that seems to be fixed now. And according to Google, um, they're should not be any loss of data in Search Console. Um, Barry Schwartz asked this of uh, Gary Ish, and Gary uh, said, I expect data, I don't expect data loss, no. Emphasis on expect. Um, and I think what this means is Google doesn't know. And really, I think you're still bound to see some dips. I mean, if your content did not get indexed, then you're not going to have any impressions or clicks. Um, so I think the data will still be there uh, and many sites will see some sort of a decline. Um, but I don't think that, uh, I don't think we're going to see, you know, everything just looks completely as normal. So um, this will be interesting to analyze over, you know, we do a lot of analysis of analytics profiles and this will be a good thing for us to keep an eye on to sort of determine, uh, did this bug really impact sites dramatically. We're seeing a couple of clients that were hit. So when the de-indexing bug first started happening, this was not with Google News. This was uh, um, with organic search. It was April 5th to April 8th. And we're seeing a couple of clients that have drops around that time that uh, never recovered. So what we're looking into is, you know, we have some sort of theories on this. And I don't really want to unpack all those right now because I feel like they're not solid theories at this 
this point. Um, but the general idea is that um, I think Google, when they de-indexed pages, a lot of those were low-quality pages. Um, and so they, a lot of them, I don't know, may not have returned to the index or may have gotten less love from Google. So uh, that's something we're keeping an eye on. And uh, if you have ideas on this and on anything that I'm talking about in podcast, feel free to tweet at me. I'm Marie underscore Haynes, H-A-Y-N-E-S, on Twitter. And uh, I'd love to hear your theories. A little while ago, Google Webmasters uh, invited people to sign up for a, be a beta, beta tester for the speed report in Search Console. And uh, they've just tweeted recently that uh, it might be a little bit of time before they're ready to go forward with that. So if you're waiting to hear from Google, that may not go forward just yet. Um, those of you who run AdSense, uh, there has been an issue with some sites not getting their AdSense. The ads are not displaying. Um, and uh, their ads, a lot of sites, your AdSense metrics are completely off for the last few days. So uh, I don't think that's resolved yet. I think that's another Google bug. Um, so if you are finding that your AdSense revenue has dropped, it may not be you. It might be that something is going on with AdSense. I would imagine Google will get on top of this very quickly because... Uh, they're probably getting a lot of flack from uh, um, from site owners that are uh, taking a drop in revenue. And also Google, um, if the ads aren't showing, then Google's not making money off of them. So, uh, so yeah, so I think that'll probably be resolved very, very soon. I thought this was interesting. Um, Morty Oberstein uh, wrote uh, a tweet about a really interesting thing with videos in the search results. Um and uh, what he noticed was that, um, so we know that Google can pull videos, uh, pull a clip out of a video result. Um, and what he noticed, though, was that when he went to, when he saw the search result with a video in it, Google had overlaid the video with a title that matched his search query. So I think the search query was something like how to eat a pineapple. And then when he saw the video in the search results, there was a little thing over the clip that Google had picked out that said, here's how to eat a pineapple. Um, but the thing was that clip was not in the video. So Google actually did that. Uh, so that's kind of cool. I think that what we can learn from that as SEOs is just create more video content. Um, we're doing it now. We've got uh, our podcast. We're also putting this back up on YouTube. Um, some of you might remember that for a while, I did two versions of podcast. I did the voice version. And then I also recorded a video version, including video examples. We found it just took too long for us to do that. And so now what we're doing is we're putting the voice transcript up on YouTube. Uh, it does not, or not the transcript, but the voice uh, recording on YouTube. It doesn't um, convert as much and it doesn't get as many views, but still it's one extra way to just get more eyeballs on our content. So um, something to be considered. I think many of us could be doing more in terms of a video. There was a really interesting discussion on Twitter this week about uh, verifying Search Console using domain properties. Um, and what I, the way I understand it, so domain properties is a relatively new thing and they're in the new version of Search Console. And the idea is that instead of verifying your M dot version and your dub 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 and your non dub 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 and all your subdomains, you can just have a one version of your property and you don't have to verify all these other ones. The problem with this is if you verified your domains with this method, those sites or those, those properties will not have access to old Search Console. And that includes the disavow tool. 
Now, the disavow tool is a part of old Search Console, but it's not, you can't access it from Search Console. Um, but if you go to the URL for the disavow tool, there's a drop down list with all of the sites for which you have access. So if you are uh, given full non restricted access to a site in Search Console, you should see it in this drop down saying that you can see and upload a new disavow if you want to. Um, and so domains that were verified with this new method. Uh, apparently do not appear in that drop-down list. So we've had a couple of situations where I think this might have been the issue. We had uh, business owners that maybe weren't completely web savvy, but hired us to do a, a link audit, um, say, yeah, I added you in Search Console and, um, you know, and then we couldn't see them in, uh, we couldn't see them in our drop-down list from um, the disavow tool. So I don't know. I, I don't know if that was the issue, but I thought it was worth mentioning. So if you're struggling to find some new properties for maybe you've picked up a new client, maybe just that's one thing to ask is were you verified in new search console or old search console? Um, and I don't even know if this is all about domain properties. It might be if you've just verified one particular URL that it's still visible in both. I suppose it's something we could test, but uh, um, but still, I wanted to mention that because I think it could be a point of confusion and frustration for a lot of us. It was a really interesting uh, response by John Mueller when he was asked again about the difference between a 301 and a 302 redirect. Um, most of us know this, but John's response is kind of cool. He said, it's basically just a matter of which URL we select as the canonical. We use multiple factors to select a canonical. Clearer signals are easier to follow. And he says, 302 tells them to use the source and 301 tells them to use the URL, the destination URL. Uh, and then if they see a long-term 302, they treat that like a 301, which I think most of us knew that. Um, so unpacking that a little bit further or just explaining it a bit further, if you use a 302 redirect, that's supposed to be for a temporary move. So let's say you had a product that was temporarily out of service. You could 302 redirect it to a, a particular page or sorry, out of, um, out of stock. Um, so what Google is saying here is if in that case where you use the 302, the original page that had the product on it is the information that they treat as the canonical. Um, if that 302 is in place for long enough, or if it was a 301, then they don't look at that original page. They look at the ending page, the target page that the 30, that the redirect points to. So that's good to know. Um, really though, all we need to know is that 302 is meant to be for a temporary move and 301 should be more permanent. Um, let's see here, John, uh, somebody asked John Mueller again, this comes up every now and then about whether or not it makes sense to have more than one website for your business. And, um, you know, I can understand why people do this. And there are some situations where maybe it does make sense to have more than one website. But in most cases, what John Mueller says is, well, what he said was, if you make two websites out of one, you're not going to be twice as visible in search. Um, and what he's always said is really we should be focusing on making one high quality site. Uh, and what we see a lot is people um, create multiple websites for, let's say you're a plumber in Toronto, uh, you know, and they'll create plumbingintoronto.com and uh, get your toilet unclogged in toronto.com and all of these tiny little microsites. Now, sometimes those can be good for offline advertising. 
important. Like if you had a radio ad, for example, um, and you wanted to determine, you know, how many people were coming to your website because of the radio ad, you could set up, uh, you know, some... um, I mean, you could do it as a subdomain, but you could set up a completely different domain that's like yourbrand-radio.com or something like that. Um, But really, in most cases, I think when people are setting up multiple websites, it's for SEO reasons, and they're not always good reasons. Um, So if ask yourself, if you want to create an extra website, if SEO did not exist, would this make sense? Would it really make sense? I mean, if you're trying to create five different versions and maybe it's because you want to target five different aspects of your particular market, think, is it just because I want to rank these in Google or does it really, really make sense for me to do this from a user perspective? Uh, I think in most cases, it makes sense to have one website, but there are some um, some different sites where it might be okay to have multiple sites. This was an interesting tip from Brody Clark. We've mentioned in the past that if you have content on your site that's hidden behind tabs, um, that Google will treat it with less value. And Brody actually found a section of a site where there was content that was hidden behind an accordion. So it was like an FAQ uh, where you tap the accordion and then as it expands, the content is in there. And we've always taught that that content is treated as lower quality or less important by Google. And what Brody showed was that actual content was being pulled into a featured snippet. So to me, that means one of several things. It could mean that I'm wrong. It could be that maybe Google is treating content behind tabs um, as completely uh, as relevant as content that's not behind tabs um, for mobile first indexing sites. There have been studies though that have shown that that's not always the case. Um, I think it's also possible that for this particular answer, um, maybe even though the content was devalued by Google, it was still the best answer for Google to show. So uh, if any of you have other examples of content that's hidden behind tabs that actually ranks well and performs well for you, please do reach out to me on Twitter for that because uh, uh, I'd like to see more examples of that. Certainly not doubting Brody's test, uh, but uh, I would love to see more of these just so we can kind of get more of a sense of to whether um, it's okay to put content behind tabs. Uh, very quickly, Brighton SEO talks are now available for streaming. I listened to a couple of them this morning. Very, very good. They're really good, uh, uh, tips. Brighton usually has fantastic speakers, um, and, uh, they bring their A game for this conference. So I would recommend listening, uh, to these tracks. Um, Good news for people operating WordPress sites. Uh, there's a new, the AMP, the official AMP plugin for WordPress has been updated to add an AMP Stories editor. And I think AMP Stories are going to be really, really big. So um, if you are at all interested in AMP Stories and you run a WordPress site, this is something that you want to pay attention to for sure. It was an interesting post on Search Engine Roundtable about the fact that uh, LinkedIn admitted that they were hit hard with an algorithm update on February 7th, 2017. Uh, I thought that was really interesting because in my opinion, this is when Google first started putting EAT signals into the algorithm. So does that mean that LinkedIn is lacking EAT? You know, I think trust could be an issue because a lot of people get really frustrated with the spam that comes from LinkedIn. Um, I'm not going to comment on this too much at this point because Barry said apparently they're going to be writing an article for search engine land. And uh, so I'm really going to keep an eye on that and I'll report back on you if that happens with my thoughts. 
Um, let's see, local SEO. There's not a whole lot to cover this week other than uh, Joy Hawkins reported that the ad favicons are appearing in the local pack as well. And another thing that's appearing in the maps results is uh, Dave D. Uh, De Gregorio mentioned that uh, he's seeing people also search for right in the middle of map results. Um, so the example that he uh, used was somebody looking up Philly injury lawyer, and it said uh, there's two organic re- or two maps results, and after that it says people also search for Philadelphia lawyers and accident lawyer near me. To me, I think we could use this the same way that we use people also ask information in uh, the organic search results. And what we uh, would do with that is say, okay, if people are searching for accident lawyer near me, am I optimized for that? Do I have a page that's optimized for that? Is my homepage optimized? Should I re-optimize my homepage? And maybe we need to do a bit of keyword research to determine that, you know, maybe I've optimized for personal injury lawyer when more people are searching for accident lawyer. Um, we could get into a whole discussion as to whether or not near me should be in our title tags. Um, I really do feel like sites perform better when they've got near me uh, and they want to rank for near me searches or near you seems to work just as well, but uh, I don't know that 100% for sure. And let's uh, uh, give one tip here by Joy Hawkins, um, who says that uh, if your photo is not showing for Google My Business, your cover or your logo photo, um, that uh, there's a couple of bugs that are keeping them from showing. And so one of the tips that she gave was to make sure that your images are at least 720 pixels square, uh, 720 by 720. And um, if they're not showing, you can actually reach out to Google My Business support and they can manually process the photos for you and get them showing. So that's a fantastic tip by Joy. Um, that was shared in the local search forum. And also, if you had, we reported the last couple of weeks that many sites in Google My Business had a, um, were reviewed, or sorry, were suspended because of fake reviews. Uh, and then... Um, a lot of those sites had their entire review profile completely gone. So even if you had just a couple of fake reviews, your entire review profile was gone. That's apparently been fixed. So um, that's good news to, uh, to hear about that. And that's all we have for the news this week. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Um, those of you who are near the Boston area, in a couple of weeks from now, I'll be speaking at Search Love and also at Semni. Uh, I think I'm going to be talking today uh, about... Um, uh, with my contact at Semni to discuss what we're going to be covering, but I'm sure it'll be something to do with Google's Quality Raters guidelines. Um, we have a couple of openings for these light site quality reviews that I've talked about. So far, they're going well, and I feel like we're providing good value um, and giving good information to help people who don't have massive budgets. Uh, so if you're interested in that, you can reach out to my team at help at mariehaines.com, and we'll get you a quote on doing a, a less expensive site review for your site. Um, and then, of course, once again, we're doing our EAT webinar tomorrow, Thursday, May 31st, or sorry, May 30th. And uh, we're going to be talking all about author EAT. It's a live webinar on YouTube Live. Uh, if you are a newsletter subscriber, you'll get an email tomorrow morning uh, explaining how to sign up. But basically, you just need to join us on YouTube. And yes, we will record this if you miss it. So that's all we've got for this week. I hope that your week is great, and I wish you the best of luck with your rankings. 